0: Taking action is the first step to change. The Shiv Show, an irregular podcast in a regular world. Introducing your host, Shiv Rad.
1: What's going on to all of my quarantine friends? Welcome to episode 27 of The Shiv Show. Now, before we start, just want to say thank you to everyone who's been messaging me and emailing me, asking me to put out more episodes. Uh, (laughs) Listen, since we're all stuck at home, timing is no longer an issue, so just watch the space. There are going to be a few more episodes coming out pretty soon. Now, I am taking a quick pause from the sales series because this podcast episode couldn't have hit at a better time. The damn COVID-19 thing is messing with all of us, but we're going to get through it. So, in this episode, I get to interview someone who's actually been challenging my fiancé and I for a few months virtually. Now, this guy has a no-bull attitude, and he really knows his shit when it comes to health and fitness. Jordan side of side Fitness this guy is a big deal if you haven't heard of him. Uh, Jordan's actually Gary Vee's personal trainer, and we dig into a quick story uh, right at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> he's been in the health industry since he was a teen. He started off with wrestling, went into personal training, was doing boot camps at 18 years old, and he's also got a background in health and behavioral science, so he's done it all. Super impressive, and to be completely honest, the one thing I loved about this podcast episode was the flow. He's just such an easy guy to talk to, such a great guy. Uh, real, down-to-earth, authentic, and phenomenal knowledge across everything with health and fitness. As Jordan says, never minimal, never maximal, always optimal. So without further ado, here is Jordan's side. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show. Now, today's episode is a bit of a special one. I get to interview someone who I haven't actually met but have been following on social media for a long time. His videos are hilarious. His page is probably one of the most entertaining pages out there. But most importantly, his content is 100% real and 100% authentic. No bullshit. And if you know me, that's the way I like to roll. Fitness guru, Harry Potter fanatic, Jordan Sight of Sight Fitness. Welcome to The shift Show, my friend.
0: Thanks for having me, man. I was super glad to hear when you said no bullshit just because I'm like, okay, cool. Now I have permission to now swear. You, now you so. swear.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. This thanks is, for uh, having me, man.
1: Hey, no, no worries. And thank, thanks for doing this. Um, so, so funny story before we start, my, my fiance has the biggest crush on you. I just got to put that out there. <laughs> so she's the one who introduced me to you uh, a while ago. And, and we literally would send videos of you or, uh, to each other and just crack up because these videos are hilarious.
0: That's amazing! I love that. <laughs> Tell her I say hello.
1: I will. I will for sure. Um, before we jump in, I just have one question. I usually like to ask a question before we uh, we start, but the question is, what is it like to train Gary V? Because I'm picturing he's just yelling at you at the gym, trying to motivate you. Is it the other way around? <laughs> How does it work?
0: <laughs> oh man, that is a very. Um, that's a very that would be a picture that you would get based on his content, right? It is very opposite. Um, I mean, Gary is very open about how much he hates working out, but I think people hear him talk about it. And when he's talking about it, he's usually doing his own content and he's in his best frame of mind. And he's like, super energetic. He's like, no, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But like, he really hates it. And, um, when we would train it, six in the morning, six thirty in the morning. He is doing everything in his power to delay it. So he'll come down 30 minutes late and he'll like be super slow and he'll be like, no, I just want to roll today. I don't really want to work out. And it's like you gotta try and force him to really get something in. It's it is a battle to get him to work out. Oh um, gosh. so it's it's definitely I mean he's always always optimistic and he's mm-hmm. always very kind and, and he's almost always in, in a good mood much more than anybody I know but actually trying to get him to work out it is not an easy task like yeah. he doesn't like working out
1: <laughs> there's a lot of people out there like that that probably used to be me as well so and uh, I get him totally get him uh listen let, let's jump into it so so tell us you know who who Jordan is let's start off there
0: uh let's see. So um like where I started, how I got to where I am today. Um if I'll say, to, so I start
1: if if you were to speak to someone who, who doesn't know who Jordan Side is, how would you how do you explain yourself?
0: I would say I am a I'm a strength coach, a nutrition consultant. I Post a lot of content on social media, on Instagram and YouTube and my own podcast, mainly geared towards trying to help people lose fat, get stronger, be healthier and happier and more optimistic overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I try and do it with a very humorous spin on it, mainly because I'm a goofball. I'm a prankster. (laughs) I like joking around. But I also know as a coach (laughs) – Most people, if they were really, really interested in learning the science of strength and conditioning and nutrition, they would go to school for it and they would study it and they would be just – they would be as invested in it as I am in the actual science of it. But most people, they just want to be told what to do. So. And the best way to get them to actually pay attention is to have fun with it and get them to enjoy it. So I try and be funny and make funny videos and do different characters and stuff. It's very much part of my personality. Like Mm -hmm. I would always do different voices and accents and characters as a kid growing up, so I still do that with my content. And I just try and make it as fun and enjoyable as possible.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That's a good point because working out isn't necessarily extremely fun, right? I mean, it's not. You're straining your body, you're straining your mind. And I think that if you add the humor aspect to it, it, it makes it enjoyable. So I think that, that's
0: perfect. There's, um, uh, I mean, I, I the, my best workouts of all time when I was like as a as a competitive powerlifter were the workouts that I had with other powerlifters when we were working out together, and one of the reasons they were so great was because we were joking around during the workout. Like when we were lifting and doing our own sets, like we were very serious, but in between sets and whatever, it's like the camaraderie, the joking around, we had a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people working out isn't fun because oftentimes you don't have the luxury or the time to do it with someone else. So if you're making content for fitness, you should probably try and do your best to make it fun and enjoyable so at the very least the person, if they don't have a training partner that's having fun with them, they can try and have fun by watching your content.
1: Absolutely agree. Absolutely. So speaking of content, how did this whole journey start? How did Side Fitness start? How did the, the podcast start, the YouTube videos? I mean, where, where was – did you have this plan in your mind years ago or did it just kind of grow naturally?
0: <laughs> I mean – when I first started my business, it was, I started it from my dorm room in college in, in 2011. Um, and I didn't know I was starting a business mainly because I mean, Instagram didn't exist back then. Um, and online coaching wasn't really a thing. There were a few people doing it, but at a very low level, they weren't really advertising it. Um, and when I started my business, I just started my website. So I started my website and all I was doing was writing articles and posting on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't, I, I really have to like emphasize this a lot. When I was writing articles and posting on Facebook, it was not with the intent to get online coaching clients because, again, I didn't know online coaching existed I didn't think it was a thing. I didn't know PayPal.com was a thing. Like I didn't know you could make money online. I was purely doing it to try and reach more people and help people. Uh, and the reason I emphasize that so much is because I think so many people now, they start making content with the intent to make money off the back end, which is why they burn out so quickly, mm-hmm. whereas I posted for years, every day, every week hundreds and thousands of pieces of content for years and nobody saw it nobody paid attention like if if 20 people read an article 10 of which were my mom Mm -hmm. like it was it wasn't a lot so eventually over time after years and years and years and years of posting more and more people saw more and more people saw more more and more people started following me but I mean I didn't have a goal of of getting hundreds of thousands of followers. I just was like, I just want to put out this content because I enjoy it and I like studying it and reading it and writing it. And, right. and eventually all of that paid off, but it was not done with the intent to start a business.
1: Yeah, first of all, you're, you're lucky. My mom doesn't even read my stuff. <laughs> <It's yourself lucky. laughs> Se- secondly, um, so you know, that mindset of, of, you know, you keep going, you keep writing despite getting 20 views or 30 views. I mean, how did, how did you keep that mindset?
0: Well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I think the reason that I kept the mindset was because, and and I I say this very sincerely, if I had thought, if I knew, like if I started today, or even if I started three years ago, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have succeeded because if I, most people who start nowadays, they're doing it and they expect to get online clients. They expect to get paid very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. It's like they put in a lot of work to post and then they're not getting paid for it and they don't know why. And it's like, well, this sucks. I thought this was going to be easy for me. It was my huge advantage that I didn't know an online business was possible because all that I needed to keep my motivation to keep going was one person to say this helped me or one person to reach out and ask me a question that I would hop on the phone to them and I would answer and have an hour call with them for free. Mm-hmm. It was like my payment was having the opportunity to see people were benefiting from what I was saying. Even if it was one person, that's all I needed for me to get a little bit of motivation. Mm -hmm. So like, I think the difference is most people, in order to get motivated, they need to make money. And for me, my advantage was not knowing that making money was possible. So my payment was just getting the affirmations from people saying this was helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, And you know what? That actually does a lot to keep you going. I remember when I started this podcast, I think episode one, I posted, and I, you know, I didn't know if this was gonna grow. I didn't know if it was gonna organically grow or just you know stay at stay at one view, which hopefully would be my mom, but um, but it wasn't. But uh, I had my I had my grade, I think grade seven or eight teacher reach out to me and say that she had a fear of flying, and after hearing me speak about fear, you know, she went and booked a trip to to China and Australia. And just hearing that, I'm like, well, that changed. Yeah, I'd like to think I, I had a part of changing someone's life or helping them make a decision. That they were fearful to do before, and that just kept me going. And every time I think of this podcast, I'm like, you know, th- there's times where I wouldn't do an episode in, in a week or two, and then I get back on it. But I always think of that example to keep me going. To say, you know what, I've helped change one life, and that I've helped, I've helped someone, and that's going to keep me going.
0: I love Here. that. 100. percent Yep.
1: Yeah. So let's let's dig into passion for fitness. So I, I have a bit of a passion for fitness as well. I lost a few years ago. I lost 150 pounds in 11 months. And um
0: you know that's incredible, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was a three hundred pounder in high school, um, you know, right guard O line football guy, and then ended up just losing a bunch of weight because I I I needed to. I absolutely needed to. I was heading to the obese level and and that was about probably nine or ten years ago, and I've kept it off for for ten years. So my passion is again making sure that people understand the, the benefits of health and fitness. And also a little bit of fear of, of, you know, not wanting to go back to, to three hundred pounds. But um, talk to me about your passion for fitness and, and where that came from.
0: So I, st- I got into fitness because of wrestling. I started wrestling when I was eight years old, and um, basically I, I fell in love with it. It was my obsession. It's all I thought about. It I was just all through all through middle school and then high school was wrestling and girls is all I thought about. Yeah, sure. Um, so when I got to high school, I made varsity as a freshman and I had to cut a ton of weight. So I was cutting from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a, 13 14 year old freshman going up against 17 18 year old juniors and seniors i was a good wrestler technically and endurance wise but strength wise i just did not have enough strength just like you know there's a huge difference between 13 year olds and 18 year olds um so between needing to lose weight and get stronger to be competitive i ended up uh doing a lot of research, trying to figure out, okay, how can I lose weight while getting stronger? And I ended up applying to a gym just so I was like, hey, I'll take the trash out, I'll clean the floors, uh, just let me come an intern. And the first gym that I applied to, they said, no, Like our clients don't want a high school kid walking around. And the second gym that I applied to fortunately took me under their wing and they were also incredibly, incredibly science-based and uh, they were just super generous and I was lucky from 14 years old, I was inundated into a very science-based fitness industry world. They introduced me to you know, Eric Cressy, uh, Dan John, Pavel Satsaline, Alan Aragon, Lionel McDonald. They just introduced me to the like the heart, like the heartbeat of, of the science-based fitness mm-hmm. industry. And uh, that's really how I got started and I was obsessed ever since.
1: No way. Okay. that's And you started really, really young, actually. 14, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So yeah. Right from the get-go, you had that science background, and then you went into science in, in college, correct?
0: So after after high school, I worked at that gym all through high school, mm-hmm. uh, and then I took a year off between high school and college, Just traveled for a year, lived in Israel for a year. Then I came back, and I went to the school. I went to University of Delaware, and I entered going into exercise science, um, but One of the things I realized through having – I was so lucky to have that coaching experience for four years before I went to college because I realized that you could have the best workout. You could have the best nutrition program, but if someone's not going to follow it, then they're not going to see the results. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing the exercise science course for the first – I remember all through September and about halfway through October – I was like, this not only is a lot of this outdated and I don't like my professors and I just wasn't happy at school in general, but I was like, this stuff is, they're not teaching practical stuff and it's not actually going to help anybody. And I could tell, I spoke to them about it, but you could tell just by the way they would speak, they hadn't coached people. They had went from studying exercise science to teaching exercise science, mm-hmm. but they'd never actually practically applied exercise science. Yeah, so real, I ended up. Experience, I guess. It's huge difference. And so I ended up switching to behavioral health and psychology because I wanted to learn, like, the way I explain it is, Everybody knows they should eat what, eat better. Everybody knows they should exercise, but not everybody is eating better and not everybody is exercising, even though they want to. Like mm-hmm. when I do a Q&A on Instagram, the number of questions I get from people being like, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. Tell me why. It's <laughs> like, that's really the issue. Yeah. And so yeah. I switched to behavioral health and psychology so I could really understand that. And that's what has been the major sort of backbone of my career and a lot of my content is not only educating people on what to do, but also how to get themselves to do it.
1: Well, that, that actually ties in perfectly to, to my next question. And, and this goes from just listening to people and some of the questions even I get about my fitness journey and, and whatnot. Let's talk about binge eating. And I want to get back to um, the psychology piece, but binge eating is something that, that happens to, to all of us, it happens to the best of us. Uh, how do you, how do you stop that from happening? And how many? I'm sure you get questions about binge eating all the time.
0: Yeah, I think binge eating is—it's some of my most most watched, most viewed, most listened to content, especially on my own podcast. Like, uh, probably the vast majority of my podcasts are on binge eating, um, and I think the first and foremost thing to say, just from a uh, ethical standpoint, I think it's really, really important to say if you struggle with binge eating. It's a good idea to speak to a therapist about it, to a counselor, to a, a qualified professional because there are people who specialize in this. And I think wow. a lot of people, they don't realize that it's it's a, it's a serious problem. And I think it's one of – no one is really going around being like, hey, I struggle with binge eating. Like yeah. classic like signs and indications of binge eating are someone will – they'll do it alone at night when no one is around. In fact, they'll often eat less throughout the day and with their friends saying they're not hungry and then go home at night and – Eat everything, and it's often through guilt and shame. And and they they they'll be oftentimes the person who are like, well, I don't know why I can't lose weight. I'm barely eat, and all the friends are like, yeah, I know this person. They barely eat, but they don't know that at night they're going home and eating thousands and thousands of calories uncontrollably. And it's there's a lot of guilt around it. And I it's important for people to know it's okay to talk to someone about it. It's okay to like seek out and seek help and therapy because it's super super important. I actually didn't um,
1: even know there were you know psychologists and therapists for binge eating who's oh yeah wow. yeah yes and, and, and it makes total sense if you think about it yep yeah you're right yeah. Not a lot of people are talking about it i mean i would never so, i would never admit that i would yeah I, I don't think i would admit when i was when i was larger back in the day that i had an eating problem i would yeah exactly so you're right you're right wow
0: so just from like an ethics perspective i always just want to lead with that mm-hmm. um Then going from there, I also think another sort of ethical thing to discuss is there are many reasons why someone might binge eat. There's not just one reason why. Mm -hmm. So I mean the one that I most commonly encounter because of the industry I'm in and because of my profession is oftentimes born out of people – having disordered relationships with the food and or their body. Oftentimes, they'll be meticulously counting calories. They'll be like very, very overly strict with what they're eating. They have this idea of good and bad foods, which will then lead to uh, oftentimes like when you say something is off limits, it often becomes sort of a binge. That's all you want to do. It's all you can think about. It's all you focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a very common one that I see. But there's also People who struggle with binge eating who've never really had issues with food per se or their body image as much as it is past trauma in their lives, mm-hmm. whether they, they were abused as a child or they went through – they have PTSD for whatever reason. Like There are many reasons why someone might binge eat and that's one of the reasons why it's so important that I very much recommend seeing a therapist yeah. because yeah. there could be n- numerous reasons. Um, the ones that I most commonly work with are, like I said, people who struggle with body dysmorphia, people who, um, who are like uh, severe, severe – they, they count calories but they take it to an extreme. Uh, orthorexia very, very commonly, like people who like they're scared of not – of eating like quote-unquote bad foods and even if they're not scared of it. They they have this idea that there are inherently good and bad foods, and so for me, I think the first step to take in helping people stop binge eating is helping them understand that there's no inherently good or bad food. That mm-hmm. you can have everything in moderation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay, let's stick on nutrition because um, I think that's that's probably the most important piece of of the, this episode. So, just looking at diets, there's there's so many diets out there. There's there's keto, there's paleo. That you're doing you were doing the carnivore diet. Um, I think you're doing the Big Mac diet before as well. Where, where does your clarity come from? With with all of these diets around, where does your clarity come from? And and which one would you recommend? And I'm guessing that's a that's a odd question because I think everybody is probably different and would react differently to a diet. But which one did you like better and why?
0: Well, so I, I definitely have to clarify. <laughs> I did a Big Mac challenge. Okay. Uh, yeah. And basically, the Big Mac challenge was, and that's it's sort of like a good segue into my answer here. The Big Mac challenge was my way of showing people that you can enjoy your favorite foods in moderation Mm -hmm. while still making progress. Uh, the way I structured this was, is I ate one Big Mac every day for 30 days straight. It wasn't just one Big Mac. I still ate other foods and I had regular meals, but I included one Big Mac in my food every day for 30 days straight. And I lost seven pounds in the process. Um, the reason I did this is because there are people who – they'll go to have a slice of pizza at their daughter's birthday party and they'll have incredible guilt or incredible fear and anxiety about ruining all their progress. Mm-hmm. Or there are people who are like go to have a slice of cake or they, they, they will – on Friday night when they're going to go out to eat with their friends and family, they'll make up an excuse as to not go. Or they, when they do go, they will say they're not hungry and they won't eat out of a fear of ruining all their progress by, God forbid, having one meal with their friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to show people that you can do this and still make progress, still lose fat, still be healthy just as long as you're eating in moderation. Yeah. So the Big Mac Challenge is a 30-day thing, and that's what I did. And, and it has fortunately since helped hundreds of thousands of people. It's been a really amazing piece of content, and I've been super glad with how it's done. Mm-hmm. I have, super happy with how well it's done so leading into that or or going off of that what's the best diet well the best diet is whatever one you can sustain for the long term Mm -hmm. that allows you to enjoy your favorite food favorite foods in moderation and achieve your goals and it goes back
1: to consistency right i mean you talk about you can't fuck this up consistency is key
0: hundred percent, and that's sort of sort of what I mean when I say you have to be able to sustain it long-term. If, if you can't sustain it long-term, if you can't be consistent with it for a long time or forever, then why do it? It's one of those things where people will do these juice cleanses or rapid fat loss protocols or whatever it is, things that are incredibly restrictive and impossible to sustain, but they do them because what happens is they have this very quick, rapid weight loss loss. And they get almost this, this high from it. Sort of like when you look at people who gamble. If you look at the brain response for people who gamble, they get the same response from when they win as to when they almost win. So almost winning is the same brain response as actually winning. And you see it's like, oh my god, I almost won. I almost, I almost got it. Yeah. And then it, it gets them to play again and play again. And oftentimes people who really struggle with gambling They'll gamble their home away. They'll gamble all their money away. They'll gamble their life away from this like addictive response. You have the same thing oftentimes with dieting where you'll lose a lot of weight. You'll lose 20 pounds in a, in a month or whatever it is, and then you gain it all back. But all you remember is that you lost 20 pounds in a month. and You're like, okay, well, I'm going to do it again. It's like, well, hold on. You gained it back. Why? Because you can't sustain it. So how do we fix this? And that's you have to find what you can sustain long term.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's really important. And, and, and goes to t- ties in perfectly to my next question. Between working out and nutrition, where, where should, sh- should someone actually start? If, if you haven't worked out before and you haven't really watched what you eat, where should you start? Should you start at the gym or should you start in the kitchen?
0: That's a really good question. I always struggle to just come up with a singular answer here, mainly because if someone hasn't been doing either, someone hasn't been working out, hasn't been eating well and they want to start they want to start seeing progress and they don't know where to begin usually my question to them is well which one would you prefer to start with mainly because I just want to get the ball rolling and so it if i was looking at ideally on an uh, on paper right and again sort of like the big difference between the theoretical exercise science versus the practical exercise science if we're just looking on paper i would rather them start with nutrition mm-hmm. because There are going to be times, for example, right now I'm in quarantine, exercise is severely limited, like I can barely walk, so like the thing I do have control over is my food. No matter what happens in life, you're always going to have to eat. It's the one thing you do have control over, whereas you might not always be able to exercise the way you want. So ideally, I'd like people to start with nutrition, but if someone comes to me and they're like, you know, honestly, like nutrition makes me a little bit anxious, I just want to start by exercising, like I'd rather start there, then you better believe I'm going to have them start with exercising because at least that way they get to choose and they're more likely to stay consistent. And what happens when someone starts exercising and they start seeing progress, Mm -hmm. they're probably going to start eating better too. So ideally nutrition, but whatever one you prefer to start with.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, if I was to answer that question, it'd be pretty much the same to say both. I mean, the way I did it was you just, just start moving. The advice I give people is just start, get up and move and you're right. Eventually, the mindset's going to change, and you're going to be watching what you eat because you remember the walk you went for in the morning or the run you went for in the morning. Um, yep. So not perfect. Now, we're 20 minutes in, and I'm so surprised you did not say these two words yet. I am so shocked. Calorie, <laughs> calorie deficit. The amount of times yep. I hear calorie deficit, and it's funny because my fiance would, would check me on that. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, I don't feel like eating that. She'd be like, calorie doesn't know the time. Calories don't know the time. Calorie deficit, what does Jordan say? (laughs) Jordan says calorie deficit, and I'll get in trouble, so thank you for getting me in trouble. But uh, (laughs) calorie deficit, tell me about the importance of of calorie deficit to, to any diet.
0: So if you want to lose fat, and I specifically say fat, not weight, because there's a difference and you have to understand the difference. If you want to lose fat, you are required physiologically to be in a calorie deficit. It is impossible to lose fat without being in a calorie deficit it is very possible to lose weight without being in a calorie deficit mm-hmm. but losing weight is not an accomplishment yep. if you want to lose weight then take a poop yep. pee <laughs> um you can i don't know you can cut your arm off you could sweat mm-hmm. i mean if you if you look at how weight controlled sports how fighters will lose weight for a weigh-in they'll sit in a sauna for hours at a time you don't even need it if you want to just try like Go step on the scale and then drink a bottle of water and then step on the scale again. You'll have gained like at least half a pound to a pound Mm -hmm. because water weighs a lot. So it's important to understand weight is – it's water. It's the food in your stomach. It's glycogen. It's bone. It's tendons. It's ligaments. It's everything, whereas fat is purely fat. If you want to lose fat, and that's really what you want to lose, you don't care about water weight, you don't care about this other stuff, you care about losing fat, you have to be in a calorie deficit. You have to eat less calories than your body needs. It's the only way. And anyone who says otherwise is either lying, trying to sell you something, or both.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, probably trying to sell you something for sure. You see a lot of that. Now, if, if I wanted to gain a lot of muscle, what's the easiest way to do that? Probably just adding calories to your diet, correct? lifting more. So it's it's interesting.
0: interesting. I'd say for fat loss, the priority is nutrition. Then the calorie deficit is going to come from nutrition for muscle gain. The priority is strength training. You, you cannot build muscle if you're not strength training, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you can eat in a calorie surplus, but if you're not strength training, you're not going to be building muscle. You have to have the muscular stimulus. So I'd say for fat loss, calorie deficit, nutrition, for muscle gain, the priority is now strength training, but also having a calorie surplus helps optimize it. It helps make it better and more efficient.
1: Good, good. So I, I didn't actually want to ask any questions about coronavirus, but I think I have to, just because this this thing has slapped us all in the face. Now, you and I were chatting before we, we started recording. What's the importance of staying active, especially in the recent times with this whole coronavirus thing?
0: Listen, I mean, the importance of staying active is, it's always important, right? For no matter coronavirus or not, it's incredibly important. But um, I think right now, especially, and I've been getting a ton of questions about this on Instagram. Yeah. How do I get motivated to exercise when I'm just in my house or my apartment, whatever it is? And like, listen, I'm in like a 500 square foot, tiny New York City apartment. <laughs> I do not have a lot of room to move. Yeah. But the reason that I, I've given myself a challenge, where every day I have to do 300 push-ups, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying everyone has to do 300 push-ups. I'm a much more high-level athlete, like I can do that without any any issues. But if all you can do is one push-up, challenge yourself to do five push-ups throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Right. So throughout the day, you do a little bit. The reason I'm so adamant about this is because, especially right now, when you're locked inside, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety you have to do things that take your mind away from it. And one of the best ways to do that is to establish a goal, something that is that is difficult to do, possible, but difficult. And when you, no, like inherently, when you overcome a goal, you will feel better. You'll feel more accomplished. You'll feel more positive and optimistic. When you're sitting around all day, of course, it's way easier to lie down and be in bed and watch Netflix. Like It's way easier and more comfortable to do that. But every day at the end of the day, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to be more anxious. You're going to be worried that you're losing your progress, that you're losing your health. It's like when you establish a goal – whether it's, I don't know, could be doing X number of push ups, could be doing X number of squats, could be doing X number of jump ropes, could be um, taking X number of steps in your apartment. It could be going, if you're gonna go on a run, try and like improve your mile time while still um, adhering to social distancing, whatever it is. But establish a goal yep. and you have yep. to achieve it, something you can do every day so you can still stay optimistic and positive.
1: Mm-hmm. I lo- and I love that you say that. Right now, I think this, I love seeing the challenges on, on Instagram and Facebook. There's push up challenges. I'm doing 100 burpees a day, 200 push-ups a day, band workouts, keeping my mind off of the the negativity that is Facebook and Instagram. Anyway, right? So I think um, you know, the first thing you see when you jump on there is just the world's gonna end. So instead of thinking that way, think positively. You're right. Set a goal and and get your mind off of this this stuff for now. Things will get better. 100%. It'll, it'll take time.
0: Absolutely, I agree yeah. completely.
1: Listen, I don't want to keep you for too long. I know you're a very busy guy, but I do have a few more questions. And and one of the mo- this is more of the mindset type of thing. Um, <laughs> going through your comments is probably one of the funniest things. Like you have, there's so many haters and there's so many naysayers, and I love the way you handle them. So how do you, how do you handle that from not just the you know the, the Instagram phase, but the, the the mindset way? Like I mean, you mentioned that the um, the way to teach fitness will, will challenge you that the way you've learned in the past. Um, the conventional ways, right? So I'm, I'm guessing you have a lot of people hating on the way you do things. So how do you handle that?
0: Oh, man, I have so many haters. It is so it entertaining, is, uh...
1: man. It is so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll let you go.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, I think to be very forthright, I, I think the the more fun answer or the more the answer that, that I think people would like to hear or maybe the answer that I would Prefer to give, which isn't truthful, would be, oh, yeah, it doesn't bother me, screw them. But that's not true. Like, it absolutely does bother me. And I think anybody who says, like, oh, yeah, like the haters don't bother me, they're fucking lying. They're trying to have this false bravado. Like, no one likes to have haters. It sucks. But I think for me, simply by recognizing it sucks, helps me deal with it even – it helps me make it better and like it sort of helps me brush it off and keep moving forward. If I was to pretend as though it didn't bother me but it actually did, then I would start to have another issue. I'd feel like a fraud because I'd be lying. So it absolutely does bother me. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I ever took from Gary was – I remember I asked him one time. I think like my first year of coaching him, I I I said like, do they bother you? Do the haters bother you? And he was like, yeah, of course it bothered me. But he was like, let me ask you a question. Has Have you ever gone on someone else's page and left a mean, hateful comment? And I was like, no, never. And he was like, do you know why? I was like, I was like no. He's like, because you're a happy person. Mm-hmm. Because you're a, a happy person in a good place in their life. You don't have the time or the need or desire to go on someone else's page and try and make them feel bad. He's like... So think about the type of person who would be going on your page and leaving a mean, hateful comment. Like, if you really want to think about it, you should feel bad for them. You should feel bad that they're at such a place in their life in which they feel the need to go and be hateful. And it was a huge turning point for me in terms of, I was like, wow, like now I can actually start to have empathy for these individuals because they're in such a sad, angry, lonely, upset place Mm -hmm. that... They're spending all their time going on my page looking at my content, following me, and still leaving a mean comment. It's like that yeah. sucks.
1: Yeah. Actually, that, that's a really good way that he put it. You never really think of, uh, I guess, put yourself in their shoes. But uh, yeah, no, they're probably doing yeah, somebody exactly. in their lives, right? So, exactly. Uh, wow. And, and ties to my next question with patience. You know, how do you have the patience to deal with all that stuff?
0: um i mean i think i've gotten uh, sometimes i still i still react poorly to it but i've gotten better over the years um i think especially years ago probably three to between three to five years ago maybe even two to five years ago um there would be days where my entire day would be ruined by one individual. I could make a post. It would get hundreds of comments and people being super nice about it and like thousands of likes, but one person might say something and I would I would get pissed and it would ruin my day and I'd get in a several-hour-long argument with that one individual and my entire day was ruined because of that one person. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it just took enough times of that happening for me to be like – I'm done with this. Like yeah. I'm I have no more I have no more the wherewithal, the power within me to to try and deal with this. It's gone. So I think it's almost like a you know what? It's it's not even like patience anymore. It's really like have you ever seen a big dog and a little dog and you have like a little yippy dog and the big dog just knows that it could eat it if it wanted to. So the yeah. big dog sort of just like is like lying there and napping <laughs> with the little dog is like almost pretending like it can can hurt it but it really can't. It's Small like basically injured. Yeah, it's just like, I just, I'm just, I'm tired. It's like, fine, yip, 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 all you want. I'm just going to just lay here and take a nap.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you have some instances where your followers are even backing you up, right? So, I mean, in that case, you went. I've seen comments people make, and then some of your followers are, are shooting the mac. So that's, you're covered. You're covered.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it's super, I'm very blessed that I have uh, a bunch of people who follow me and are incredibly kind and go out of their way to defend me as well.
1: Absolutely. Uh, mental health with fitness i mean how important is mental health and how does fitness help the mental health side uh
0: you know it's (laughs) this is an interesting topic i i've as mental health has become more of a buzzword i've seen more and more people trying to use it to get more likes, get more followers, whatever it is. And they use mental health, especially on like mental health awareness day. You see a lot of people come out on mental health awareness day, talk about mental health, but then they never, ever talk about it again. It's like, well, hold on. If we actually want to make this something that we can talk about, then let's talk about it more frequently. So I I don't think anybody could deny the importance of mental health. Um, I don't think people talk about it enough though. Um, I will say, and it's sort of how it was – where I was going with the challenges like during this time. But I've always said that if every single person knew and has seen the research around the physiological benefits of walking, just like the cellular benefits, how your cells benefit from walking, even as little as 10 to 20 minutes, every person would do it more because the, unbelievable changes and improvements that your physiology will have from walking, it's extraordinary. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I talk about that so much. And for me, from working out and, and getting your heart rate up and sweating, and it's immediate impact on your mental health, immediate. And it's one of the reasons why I really enjoy setting these goals. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if all I've done is accomplish one fitness goal, I can be happy with my day. I can be feel accomplished with my day. I can say at least I did this. At least I accomplished that goal. And I think uh, many people, unfortunately, don't have enough of those days. And oftentimes they have days in which they feel like they did literally nothing. They did literally nothing that they wanted to do. They did nothing. They accomplished nothing they wanted to accomplish, and it's a demoralizing feeling. And it can actually become a habit where it's just that's what you do. I think the more you set a habit of accomplishing a goal, the more it, the better it becomes, and the better your mental health improves as a result of it.
1: You know what? It's it, if you rewind ten years, I was I was a completely different person. I would not have a podcast. I would not have written a book. I would not have. I was not. In any way, shape, or form, you know, able to speak to someone, I just couldn't do it. And the, fitness really helped me. Fitness gave me confidence. Fitness changed my mental health so much. That's why I talk about it a lot. Just you know, get active. Get not saying get fit right away. It's going to take some time, but do stuff. Just get out there and move. And that's actually going to help your mindset. So no, I definitely like that. Absolutely. Two more questions, and I'm going to let you go to the the quiet streets of, of New York. Um, what's your message to the, to the younger generation out there? If you can leave them with one message, what would that be?
0: A message to the younger generation. Um, I would say, I would say, Man, that's tough. There's so many messages that I want to leave them. Uh, Really, I'm trying to think, what would I, But when I'm thinking younger younger generation, I'm thinking more realistically, what would I tell my younger self, right? Um, uh, I would say don't take yourself too seriously Mm -hmm. and uh, don't waste time regretting what you've done when instead you can use what you've done as a teacher to improve your future.
1: Very good. I like that. Um, last question for me is, you know, with, with everything that you've done, your podcast your your articles, your, your coaching it doesn't even have to be fitness wise. What, what, what would you say you are the most proud of in your life?
0: The most proud of, um, That's a very difficult question.
1: I am... This is the one that always gets in...
0: Yeah, this is a very difficult one, and I don't even know. It's funny. You could probably ask me this question every day for a year straight, and you'd get a different answer out of <laughs> than me every single day. Um, but I would say the thing I'm probably most proud of is... <sighs> I think it's my ability... And my conscious effort, more than my ability, my deliberate effort to, to, to. Fuck man, this has really got me stumbled. So, my deliberate effort to make sure that every person I interact with feels heard. It's like, I don't like feeling as though someone doesn't feel heard or they don't feel seen, they don't feel acknowledged. Uh, and I spend a lot of my time every day doing the best that I can to make sure that each person I interact with feels heard and understood and seen.
1: I love that, and that's very important, especially being being a leader in uh, in what you do. That's that's very important, and making making the followers feel heard and and understood. That, that's cool. yeah, and 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 being a follower myself, you're, you're definitely doing that. So thank you very much. Um, thank
0: you man i appreciate that
1: listen this is this has been great i'll I'll let you go this you're super authentic you're super real exactly you know what we see in these these youtube videos and instagram videos so thank you again for doing this um i can't wait to put this out to the world and hopefully we get to chat soon
0: absolutely man it's been a pleasure thank you so much
1: awesome thanks jordan bye-bye cheers Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For more information, visit ShivRad.com. Peace! It's one small step for man, one giant leap for
0: man.